are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, I got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today. I want to have a little Josh Rojas talk to start off the pod. And we're going to go through the D-backs last couple games that we might have missed over the weekend from spring training. And then it's Muted Monday, so we're going to wrap up the pod talking about headlines from this past weekend. And we're going to decide if we should mute those headlines or turn that baby up. But first, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 so you can get 20% off your next Built Bar order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off. BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's jump right into it. And let's talk a little Josh Rojas because I think he's a pretty interesting guy to keep your, you know, keep your eye on this spring training and just the whole season in general he might have a bigger role than we even realize Uh, i expect him to probably make the opening day roster as a utility guy and you never know right now we assume as Drupal cabrera is going to be the main utility guy for this d-backs team but i'm gonna watch out for josh rojas because i wouldn't be surprised if this guy took over the Cabrera spot and maybe becomes the go-to second baseman if the D-backs really do want to use Ketel Marte full-time in center field. And the reason I say that is because let's not forget Josh Rojas was a part of that Zach Granke trade and he was a pretty highly touted prospect in the Astros organization. He wasn't a top 10 prospect in the Astros organization, but he was their 22nd overall prospect and he absolutely crushed it in the minors in 2019 between double a and triple a for both the astros and the d-backs rojas absolutely destroyed minor league pitching he had a 332 average a 1023 ops 23 bombs 33 stolen bases josh rojas showed a lot in the minor leagues he can hit for average he can get on base he's got some pop he's got some speed he should be considered a what four or five tool kind of guy. So why is he not rated higher among prospects? Uh, you know, in either organization, the Astros or D-backs. Why was he such a you know maybe not of a highly rated prospect as you might expect for a guy putting up those kind of numbers? And maybe it's because when you look at some of his advanced metrics. And some of his splits, it seems like there could be a little cause for concern because just looking at his splits, he's a left-handed batter who actually does better against left-handed pitching against righties. Josh Rojas 
for his career on the major league level, which let's remember is not a large sample size. We're talking about small sample sizes here with Josh Rojas, but on the major league level between 2019 and 2020, Josh Rojas was just flat out worse against righties than lefties. And his career splits against righty pitchers, 184 average and a 533 OPS. Those numbers are just way below what you would expect for a guy who's crushed minor league pitching and has, you know, got the matchup advantage. But against the lefties, this left-hander actually does quite better. He has a respectable 259 average and a 649 OPS. And both of those numbers still aren't great, but he gets on base a lot a lot better against the lefties than he does against righties. So that just makes him an interesting case when you're trying to decide, uh, you know, whether he should be starting in the lineup or not. Because if he's a left-handed batter, that's better against left-handed pitching. That makes you wonder what days you should play a Josh Rojas. But still, he I still believe in his potential because he's still only 27 years old. So he should be in the prime of his career. And... If he wants to get better on the major league level, then there's some things in his approach that he just has to work on. Because so far on the major league level, which is, again, small sample size, he some of his advanced numbers aren't too favorable for him. His average exit velocity of 88 miles per hour isn't too bad, but it's probably right around average. But his launch angle of only 8.7 degrees is definitely below average. And he's going to have to raise that. He's going to have to get the ball into the air more. And his barrel percentage, only 2.8% for his career. That's just way too low. Got to get the barrel to the bat a lot more than that if you're Josh Rojas. But 37.5% hard hit percentage is better than what you would expect with a guy with that kind of launching on that kind of barrel percentage. So if he could get the barrel to the ball more, raise that launching a little bit more, he's going to be hitting a lot of home runs on the major league level because right now he's more of a line drive kind of guy, more of a ground ball kind of hitter just because of that poor launch angle. But he does make good hard contact a good amount of the time. He does make solid hard contact, even though he has a lack of barrel percentage and a lack of launch angle. So there are some positives for Josh Rojas when it comes to his approach. But the one other area that I would would want Josh Rojas to work on is his approach to the game, depending on the pitch count. When Josh Rojas is ahead in the count, his OPS is above 800. He's absolutely crushing pitching. He he has a better understanding of when to swing and and when to eat it. He has a better understanding of the strike zone when he's ahead of the count. He's just more comfortable and more confidence at the plate when he's ahead of the count. But when Josh Rojas is even or behind in the count, his OPS below uh, his OPS falls below 440. So it's basically night and day with Josh Rojas when he's ahead of the count versus when it's an even or when he's behind in the count. And so for Josh Rojas, he has to even out some of his numbers. He has to even out the righty versus lefty cross matchups as a hitter. He has to improve his his batting versus right-handed pitchers, and he has to prove his approach when he's behind in the count. I'm not saying you have to be Mike Trevel, Mike Trout level 
uh, greatness when you're behind in the count. I'm not saying you have to be Dustin Pedroia when it's an 0-2 count, but he has to become more respectable because you have to battle when you're behind in the count. You can't just be an easy strikeout. You can't just give up in the at-bat when you're behind in the count. So I want to see a little bit more fight from Josh Rojas on the major league level when he's behind in the count because this guy, he has the tools to put it all together to be a true, you know, maybe future second baseman of this D-back squad. As I mentioned, he's shown us the pop in the minor league levels. He's shown us the speed. He's been able to hit for average. He's been able to get on base. He's been able to do everything that you want him to do from a from a minor league standpoint. There's nothing left for him to prove on the minor league level. He's been, you know, he's been in the minor league since he's, you know, 25, 26 years old, so he's an older uh, he's an older guy in the minor league. So that's part of the reason why he's been able to take such good advantage of minor league pitching, but now for Josh Rojas, the last test is to do it on the major league level. And if he can show the D-backs in spring training, he already had that one great game with two home runs at Goodyear. So if he can continue to impress Toy Lovello and Mike Hayes in spring training, they might have to consider making him the main guy off the bench and maybe the main guy to replace Keto Marte at second base when he's playing center field. Now we'll get into the D-back spring training games from this past week. But first, I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON at BetOnline.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the D-backs, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Braskowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. Let's discuss those D-backs uh, games from this past weekend, starting with the Friday game. I'm just going to hit some highlights from each game, some things that stood out to me, some things that I care about because I don't care about every batter, every pitcher in spring training. There's certain things I look for in spring training games. So let's first start with the Friday game. D-backs beat the Reds. And this was the Josh Rojas game because he went absolutely crazy. He had two home runs, five RBIs as the leadoff spot. So it was the best showing Josh Rojas has had this spring training. And another guy that I like from that game is Paven Smith, who was batting ninth in that game and absolutely capitalized on his opportunity, which is something we've been talking a lot about with Paven Smith. It's all about him capitalizing on his opportunity, and that's exactly what he did in that game. He went three for three out of the nine hole, scored two runs, and had a double, which is great to see because it's a lot of talk about his power. Does he have enough power? And he hasn't hit a home run yet this spring training, but a double. He has a couple doubles this spring training, so that's always nice. 
in terms of his slugging percentage. But one negative from this game, uh, 16 strikeouts by D-backs hitters. That's just not going to cut it. The D-backs are definitely going to have to cut down on strikeouts uh, because you have to if you want to win games. And that was an issue for them in 2020. They did strike out a decent amount. And if I can find the stat quick enough while I'm talking to you guys, then I will find out exactly how many times they struck out in uh, 2020. But Overall, it was a great game for the D-backs in their win over the Reds. And I think one thing that was also important or at least interesting from that game is Dalton Varsho and Carson Kelly both hit doubles in that game, which I think is just so fascinating because they're both basically vying for the same spot, vying for that catcher position. And uh, Carson Kelly definitely has the edge on the competition. There's no doubt about that. But Actually, looking at the stats right now, I was wrong. The D-backs actually didn't strike out a lot in 2020. That was probably their biggest strength, honestly. They finished 14th in the National League in strikeouts, so they had the second fewest strikeouts of any team in the National League. So that was actually a positive for the team. They just couldn't hit for average, and they just couldn't get on base at all. So those were the real negatives for the D-backs in terms of their offense. But striking out actually hasn't been a problem for the D-backs. wasn't a problem for them last year, so I'm not going to worry about them striking out 16 times in the spring training game. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is their Saturday game. They played the Texas Rangers, and they lost that one 7-6. But Zach Allen back on the mound, still putting in work. He looked good in that game. Uh, I believe 31 of his 46 pitches went for strikes. Only allowed one hit. Uh, it was a one-out single in the first inning. Walked one, struck out three. Just more zeros for Zach Allen on board. He's never... You know, super happy with his outings. He always thinks he can be better, which is one reason why we love Zach Allen. He's a perfectionist like me. He's a perfectionist like a lot of people. And the fans, we want Zach Allen to care about his performance just as much as we do. So it's nice to see Zach Allen taking these outings pretty seriously and kind of beating himself up afterwards if he doesn't think he had a great outing. But very strong outing once again for Zach Allen. And an interesting thing from this game, all of his strikeouts came with hitters going down on off-speed pitches. So Zach Allen didn't even have to muster up the, you know, the fastball to get these guys out. He all he had to do was, you know, maybe throw a changeup, maybe go with the two-knuckle curve. Or excuse me, he had two knuckle curves that also struck out two batters. So knuckle curves change up was working to perfection for Zach Allen. He was able to keep those hitters off balance and strike out three dudes as well. Uh, the biggest negative from this game is Riley Smith got roughed up once again. He is not having a good spring training. After having a 147 ERA last year, he's a friend of the pod. We've had him on before, so I'm rooting big time for Riley Smith. But he's struggling right now this spring training. Gave up five earned runs so far this spring training on eight hits. And in that last outing on Saturday, did not look good. Gave up three earned runs, including one home run. So for Riley Smith, I'm hoping he gets back on track. He can be a pretty important part of this D-backs bullpen because... They're just not super deep in the bullpen. We got Joaquin Soria, Tyler Clippard, Stefan Cryan. But after that, it's a lot of question marks. Can Kevin Ginkle come back to that 2019 version? Yoan Lopez, can he get it back together? So Riley Smith is going to be a critical part of this bullpen. But the way his spring training is going is not giving anyone confidence right now. And the last game I want to talk about. 
is the Sunday game between the D-backs and Cubs. D-backs beat the Cubs 5-4. This was not the best Merrill Kelly game. After having a very good outing his first time out, he got roughed up a little bit in this one, gave up three earned runs on four hits, and gave up two home runs. So you don't like to see that. Home runs is the quickest way to put yourself in a hole, and that's exactly what Merrill Kelly did. But at least he's still healthy, and his arm strength looks pretty good. So I like that for Merrill Kelly. And this was an interesting game because we got to see two offseason signings make their debut, or I think just one offseason signing make their debut. But we saw, and that's Joaquim Soria. Joaquim Soria made his debut in this game. Uh, he he came in after Merrill Kelly, put up zeros on the board. And then we saw another offseason addition come in this game. Chris Devensky came in. He also pitched a scoreless inning. So good to see those two guys, uh, you know, have good outings because Joaquim Soria looks like he's going to be the closer according to Zach Buchanan. So it's good to see him at least pitching well in spring training. And then Chris Devensky was an all-star back in 2017. So this guy does have the makeup to be a pretty good back end of the bullpen guy. We just... We just have to have to see if he still has the stuff and, and the arm strength to do it. And then another thing that I like from this game, Kevin Ginkle, he had a scoreless frame. He's someone that I'm a huge fan of after that 2019 season. Highly disappointed in him after 2020. So I just want to see him get back on track. And it looks like he was doing that with his most recent outing. Then the last thing we have to talk about from this game, we can't gloss over it. That goose in the outfield, what was going on with that goose? He looked menacing. And if you guys didn't see, go watch this video on YouTube. It is absolutely wild. It was pretty much a goose fight in the outfield. One of the gooses took a big bite out of the other goose's butt and came up with a mouth full of feathers. So I've never seen that for uh, you know before from two gooses. I'm from Jersey, so I've seen a lot of goose. I've seen a lot of geese in my life. Goose is not the correct word. I've seen a lot of geese in my life, but I've never seen a goose take a bite out of another goose's butt and just have a mouthful of feathers. So I thought that was interesting. So go watch that on YouTube if you missed out on that clip. Now, we'll get into Muted Mondays and look at headlines from this past week and we'll decide whether we want to mute those headlines or turn that baby up. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. And we have been telling you about the Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. But now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is the Apple Almond Crisp versus the Churro Puff. And I'm going to have to lean toward the Apple Almond Crisp. It's like an apple pie. And apple pie is my absolutely favorite dessert. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at BuiltBar underscore or at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. So that's BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember to use that promo code LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off your next order. That is code LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. So go to BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore Bar on Twitter to get your vote in. All 
right, all right, all right. Let's get back to it. Let's play Mute It Mondays and decide which headlines we need to mute and which headlines we have to turn that baby up. And the first headline I want to talk about is Zach Gallen on an innings limit. We're going to have to turn that headline off. And, you know, this might be a little controversial, but I don't necessarily think Zach Allen needs an innings limit. Toy Lovello and Zach Allen are both kind of on board with it. Toy Lovello has been talking about everybody. This is a direct quote from Toy Lovello. Everybody needs to be mindful of the workload that they had last year. And jumping from 60 to 70 innings to 200 is not necessarily going to be safe for everybody. And that was Tori Lovello talking about the innings limit for Zach Allen. And this is what Zach Allen himself had to say about the innings limit. I'm not in the logistics business. So for me to try to game plan would be above my pay grade. But there's definitely things that I imagine you could do throughout the year. Maybe take a look at days off, push your start back, whatever that might be. It's not something that I've been talked to about. I'm just going to go out there and do my job pitching till they tell me to stop pitching. And then still probably say, no, let me go back out there. And it looks like Zach Gallon's not opposed to, you know, pushing starts back, you know, maybe giving him an extra day of rest. And I'm not against that either i'm not against extra days of rest for zach allen what i'm against is what happened to blake snell in the world series and i don't want to see that happen to zach allen yes it's going to be a a major change from last year's you know innings limit because he's going from 60 70 innings pitch to you know maybe 160 innings pitch and you could look at that as you know a cause of concern because that's just going to be a lot more wear and tear on the arm that he didn't have to go through last year. But I think that's the perfect reason why it, this should be the year he hits 200 innings is because he doesn't have that wear and tear from last year. One of the biggest reasons that why I think we see more pitchers get hurt is because they don't get enough rest on their arm. And too much about baseball and just sports in general has become about specialization. And that's when you use the same muscles over and over. And that is what wears it down over time. It's actually better to play multiple sports growing up to give your body, to, to use the different muscles in your body as opposed to just playing one sport. And that's why so many of these young guys have to get Tommy John surgery so early in their career. And so for Zach Allen, I think his arm should be just fine. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend that. But I feel like, you know, that, that that makes sense is that his arm should be fine and that he should be able to ramp up the innings this year considering he didn't have to put the innings on his arm last year and this is a guy who's only 25 years old so we're already talking about him about going on an innings limit 140 150 that's not a lot at all back in the day dudes used to be you know 200 300 innings look at randy johnson in his prime going hella innings 200 300 innings seasons and randy johnson was a pitcher who was able to be effective into his 40s so if randy johnson could do that and he pitched from the 80s to the late 2000s why can't a guy like zach gallon do it and randy johnson never had you know any 300 inning seasons but he had one two three four five six seven 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 seasons where he had 200 innings pitch. At age 40, 41, and 42, each of those three seasons, he went over 200 innings at over age 40. So you're telling me Zach Allen at 25 can't hit 170 innings? I think that's crazy. I don't want to see the Blake Snell situation where it's a close game 
and Tori Lavello takes Zach Allen out of the fifth inning, maybe the sixth inning because of the innings limit. I think that's just not good for the sport of baseball. It's not good for fans. Uh, I get resting the guy, but I'm okay with pushing starts back, maybe maybe giving him an extra off day, but I don't want to see dudes just getting pulled out of games when they got their stuff working or it's a close game just because they're afraid of him hitting that innings limit. Then the other uh, headline that I want to talk about is, is Ketel Marte back? And I want to turn that headline all the way up because, yes, it's spring training, but Ketel Marte is absolutely destroying pitching this spring training. He has a 17-14 OPS, so that's 1,714 OPS, absolutely crushing it at the plate. He's been one of, he's been the best D-backs player so far this spring training, and Ketel Marte being back, uh, Ketel Marte being back, it's just so important for this D-back scene because he is their catalyst for everything offensively. And if he has another season where he just struggles, where he looks like he did in 2020, the D-backs won't be good this season. And the biggest question mark for Ketel Marte is he's showing that he can hit for average. He's showing they could get on base. That isn't the issue for him this spring training. The 17-14 OPS illustrates that. But the big issue still for Ketel Marte that we need, or not the issue, but the big question that we still need Ketel Marte to answer is, is his power back? Because I believe Ketel Marte is the pure hitter, the guy that could score runs, create RBI opportunities. I believe that guy is back, but is the guy who can get you 30 plus home runs, is that guy back? Because we haven't seen too much of that from Ketel Marte outside of 2019. He wasn't a big home run guy outside of 2019 when he when he had 30 plus home runs. So for Ketel Marte, that's the big question. I believe offensively he will be back in terms of getting on base and hitting for a high average. But in terms of power, he has four doubles this spring, which I like, but he has no home runs. So if he can put a couple dingers on the board before spring training ends, it will give me even more confidence to believe Ketel Marte is all the way back and back to that 2019 MVP form. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Remember, join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. Every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Locked On MLB Network's team of local experts, and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories. Locked On MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, guys, come back tomorrow. It's going to be Talk to Me Tuesday, so we're going to have a guest on. I'm going to try to bring Scott Cullen on of Locked On Fantasy Baseball to talk about the fantasy prospects going on with the D-backs. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy out there, and don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Deuces!